Yo and hello! Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. What are you wondering? Do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? Well, you're gonna if you listen to our show. <laughs> you better, punk. <laughs> Beat you up. Take you outside. Show you a calendar. Over the internet. <laughs> I'm gonna send you my Google Calendar. And we'll find a time where it's convenient for me to take you outside. <laughs> oh, so what episode are we talking about today? Today we are talking about season one, episode 21, Zen and the Art of Bicycle Maintenance. So this aired January 22nd, 2004, written by Brent Piaskowski and directed by Don Shabib. Uh, this episode features uh, a new one-off character, uh, the character of Beth, played by Mindy Perlmutter. She doesn't have an IMDb page. Um, it looks like she hasn't done a ton of acting. Like she did some theater back in 2013-2014. These days she works for Unilever in New York as like a marketing brand person. Here's something wild from her LinkedIn page. She went to Western in the MIT program. Oh, hello. <laughs> the same program as us. But she did uh although she did MIT and HBA, like that combined program oh, was like yeah, yeah. studies in business. Yeah, when you, you want to be Ivy like kid. a business person. Yeah. Um so yeah, she did she did some theater. I found some uh listings on our local like London, Ontario theater site, theater in London.ca for a Mindy Perlmutter from some shows in like tw- 2006 and 2010. So that's when she would have been going to Western. So I guess she did some theater theater while she was in town. Love that. But uh, yeah, but yeah, so I guess she she is kind of out of the acting game these days, mainly working in marketing. But yeah, she did theater for a while. I think that was her, her big thing because she's not on IMDb or anything. But she went to Western in the same program as us, which is kind of neat. What I do wonder is why you've had that bike for two months and this is only the fifth time you've ever ridden it. Because I don't want it to get all scratched up. Besides, I got to be careful. There have been a lot of bikes stolen lately. We start off the show with Ray and Robbie biking over to the RFR shed uh the shed of infinite space and ray is really impressed with this sick trick he does where he stops riding his bike and just kind of like pushes it into like a couple of pallets that are leaning up against the shed he's like yeah he's Ooh, so into it look at that like literally just let his his bike roll for a minute and very in character for robbie he's kind of like polishing off his bike we learned that this is a fairly new bike that he's not hasn't ridden very often because he's concerned about it getting scratched up and he's careful to lock it up because he's worried about bike thieves and we also it's very true to robbie's brand it really is and we find out very true to ray's brand that he's purely irresponsible when it comes to borrowing things he immediately asks robbie when he can borrow his new bike and robbie declines saying ray usually breaks his stuff and q Ray's brother Tim calling and asking Ray if he has his red shirt. And Ray's like, no, I don't have it. When he's clearly wearing it, he's already already managed to get a stain on it. So we get we get that little setup. Two two varying character traits for our, our boys, just responsible and irresponsible. The 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 two sides of the coin. <laughs> Ray gets a lot of genuine enjoyment when his phone goes off because he's got this little like Mexican hat dance ringtone. And it just makes me think of like how I used to go on the Much Music website and just preview polyphonic ringtones because I couldn't buy them, but I would just like go and listen to them and be like, oh, this would be cool to have as my ringtone. <laughs> Pretty sure my first ringtone was Love Bug by the Jonas Brothers. Nice. Uh, which is still still a great song. 
I remember like three, the three years of middle school having three different ringtones. Tell Me What to Do by Metro Station, which nice. was not one of their singles because, you know, they only had Shake It, but I had their album. I was a yeah. true, true Metro Station fan. Shout you out, were there for the deep cuts. Shout out Trace Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tell Me What to Do was my ringtone, I think, in grade seven. And then it was... Damned If I Do Ya, Damned If I Don't by All Time Low, because I became a big All Time Low fan. And then the third one was Tell Me I'm a Wreck by Every Avenue. So like the the nice like spectrum of uh, middle school emo pop punk. You think if Metro Station ever like wanted to reform and release an album without Trace Cyrus, they would call it Without a Trace? Yeah, that, that's pretty good. I'll give that one to you. <laughs> I'll, thank you. I'll thank give you. that one to you. I was fully prepared for you to make some sort of metro station pun, but yep. you know, I'll I'll take without a trace. Point for me. <laughs> I'll keep that one in the episode. Yay! <laughs> Floyd has my best wishes, not because he was born today, but because he works hard, always has a friendly joke, and got me out of a locker I was stuffed into once. In RFR, they are wishing happy birthday to Floyd the Custodian. I didn't go back and check, but is Floyd the Custodian the same one who was like, good on you, son, when yeah, he got yeah. Lily making out, or supposedly yeah. making out? Our, our good friend Floyd, who encourages us to make out. <laughs> oh, Floyd. And Floyd's birthday wishes are used to reveal the fact that Travis doesn't believe in birthdays. Travis is conveniently locker-sized. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he shouts out Floyd for rescuing him from a locker. And he's he's somewhat locker-sized. He kind of moves like a locker, too. He's just kind of like... He kind of stiffly moves around. <laughs> moves like locker. <laughs> he's got the moves like locker. <laughs> Ray and Lily decide to take off. Meanwhile, Robbie and Travis are going to hang back because Travis is going to show Robbie sound effects of the world, which sounds like a very nerdy thing that those two would enjoy. Ray makes a last ditch attempt to like ask Robbie if he can borrow his bike. Robbie, of course, says no. Ray and Lily are outside the shed and Ray's being like, oh, why is Robbie's bike so much better than mine? And then he realizes Robbie somehow hasn't locked up his bike, which I, f I feel like we saw Robbie lock up his bike, but I guess he didn't. And also <laughs> it's just very out of character for Robbie. Right? Yeah. A, a very, very strange thing to have happened. So Ray tries to rope Lily and be like, oh, you know, be a fun prank is if I make it look like his bike was stolen. And I just like take his bike as a little prank. And Lily's like, no way. That's stupid. And Ray says, you know, the other day, Robbie said your legs reminded him of noodles. And she's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, and like, <laughs> oh, I'll go along with it. I'll allow it. I'm I'm kind of a, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like, I feel like it's pretty obvious. It's got to be pretty obvious to Lily that Ray's just making that up in order to get her to go along. <laughs> and also, in, in what context would Robbie have said such a thing? Yes. And, and my noodles. Yeah. Does she have no knees? I don't. I feel like it's not often that you comment on your best friend's legs. <laughs> what kind of noodles? Yeah. Well, he he says spaghetti. At least they weren't like linguine or like a flat noodle. I guess I don't know. Would you rather your your legs be flat? <laughs> like, okay, do do you want do you want like popsicle sticks for legs, or do you want like straws for legs? I want rotini for legs. <laughs> 
I want I want macaroni for legs. Macaroni for legs. I just want like real short, <laughs> but a whole lot of knee action going on there. Yeah, you just kind of scoop along. Like... <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Scooby Doo for legs would be fun, like the twisty pasta. Ooh, no! I think we're completely missing out on wagon wheels right now. Oh my you god! Get, like the wheel shaped pasta, and you just roll along. Yeah, you're like your own Segway. See, see, he wasn't insulting you, Lily. He said you were your own segue. Well, he, to be fair, he said spaghetti. He, he didn't convey the power of, wa- of wagon wheels on her. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't as future thinking as we are. We talking cooked spaghetti? <laughs> That's a true point, too. Like, we talking homemade? We talking store-bought? Or is each, like, one, like, strand of spaghetti? Mm-hmm. Or are we talking a little clump? What kind of serving size are we dealing with? Is this, like... A single portion of spaghetti or two single noodles? Is this a family portion? There's a lot of questions we gotta go through. I know. Like, all I can think of is, like, is it in Mulan that it's, like, one strand alone breaks apart, but together it's fine? (laughs) (laughs) I just, like, properly wheezed at that bit of wisdom. (laughs) Thank you for your inspirational really, words I'm really good in these at, hard times, Sammy. I'm really good at quoting wisdoms. What? As the Buddha once said. <laughs> As the Buddha once said, one alone can break, but together it's fine. <laughs> As the Buddha once said, you're your own sick way. <laughs> this prank is going to be awesome. Better than the time I enrolled Robbie in cheerleading camp. Yeah, he got pom pom monthly for a year. So we head on over to Mickey's where Ray and Lily are hanging out, and Ray's just like so stoked about this really mean prank. <laughs> and he and Lily are hanging out, browsing through CDs. We get our introduction to Beth. She kind of peeks in through the window and then just sort of pops up and uh, says hi to Ray and Lily. She is very quickly, very apparently interested in Ray. She's kind of like introduced as this sort of student journalist character i guess she has this little audio recorder with her and she basically asks ray and lily if boys and girls can just be friends and we get all this like will they won't they stuff because ray and lily are like oh yeah we could be we've just been just friends for a long time and ray is like you know, like, if I had a crush on Lily, I would just be thinking about her all the time. And Lily's like, hey, we're just friends, even if he is kind of cute or whatever. And it's just like, Bleh. you guys, this is killing me. <laughs> Sammy can't handle the suspense of a TV show that she has seen multiple times in her 2003. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> and Beth is just basically like, she's asking them their opinion. She's like, well, I think that you can't be friends. And then she just turns off her recorder in like the end. <laughs> mm, journalism. <laughs> yeah, good, good journalism. I would love it if that was the approach, like for journalists to do an interview and like go through the whole thing and then end it with, well, I think you're wrong. And then just end it. The end. <laughs> and then Beth very smoothly just like takes Ray's hand and writes her number. She's like, hey, here's my number if you want to add anything else or if you want to just talk. And then she leaves. And Lily points out that Beth has a crush on Ray. And Ray's like, oh, great. Like somebody finally has a crush on me and they're weird or whatever. Beth's, Beth's a little bit odd. And Lily says, there's lots of girls that have a crush on you. Like, for example, and she's like hyping herself up to tell him and then his phone goes off and Ray's brother Tim is again asking Ray for pieces of clothing. 
<laughs> and it's it's very much a callback to like a very similar like reverse situation earlier on in the series of like yes. Ray being like about to tell Lily, I think also in Mickey's because where else would they be? Yeah. And then Jack calls when she's learning yeah. the guitar. Yeah. The cell phones, I tell you. We love this trope. Yeah. But the two of them head out of Mickey's ready to, to go back and end this prank. But Robbie's bike has been stolen for real this time. Oh, no. So what are they going to do? I feel so bad. They like raise like all like, oh, what kind of face do you think Robbie's going to make when his bike is gone? And we go to see Robbie by the shed and he's like so distraught. Poor Robbie. And now he's going to be super upset for reals. Even though I respect your tirade, I think it might have been a bit more prudent to have a bigger photo of your bike. It's not about the bike, man. It's about my loss of faith school the next day we've got robbie putting up like missing bike posters and they're like it's like this tiny little photo of him at the shed with his bike and then just like an essay of text underneath it i have the exact same like my note is just like robbie's written an essay on this poster (laughs) there appears to be a rash of bicycle thefts in the town of roscoe and i have been the latest victim it would appear This is an appeal to the thief to perhaps somehow develop a conscience and realize the tragedy that is bike theft. (laughs) So when you ride my bike, know that although the wheels spin forward, you've jammed a stick in the spokes of humanity. Yes. That's only the first paragraph. Like even Travis thinks it's a little bit much. (laughs) When Travis thinks it's a bit much, it's... It it sounds very much like, you know, Travis Burbage. It does. So if he's not behind it. Lily and Ray join Travis and Robbie as he's putting up his posters. Lily's very clearly dragging Ray and kind of forcing him to fess up. And he comes clean to to Robbie. And Robbie is not happy. He's real mad. He gives Ray a a real, real disappointed look and walks off. And then we we go to the station. I'm pronto. And what's stuck in my craw today is people who steal bikes. I mean, don't they realize they're not just stealing a bike, they're stealing a piece of our independence? On the show for that day, we get a uh, return to what's stuck in Pronto's craw. And he he says, today it's bike thieves. So that opens up the conversation to the callers who say that they've had their bike stolen recently. And then Ray says, We're, we've got a call on line 17. And everyone else kind of looks at him because there isn't a line 17. But... He's just using it as an excuse to kind of fake call into the show as himself. And we get this shot of the pitch control that Travis uses, which I don't understand because that w- they would be applying it to Ray. Yeah, like live. Like, and Travis didn't know what Ray was doing initially. I don't get it. <laughs> but, but that would mean, so, I mean, our, our base understanding, we've at least accepted that... All of the characters have, are like pitch modulated to some extent, but we just don't hear it for the sake of that not being like a good... Um... We suspend our disbelief. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not a good device for the viewer at home. If, if they're already being pitch modulated, then Ray's normal voice would be fine. I don't. I don't know. I like, feel like they, they just they would of... turn off the pitch modulation, wouldn't they? And then because he's like so public and he's like being himself who has been like on the radio at Cougar Radio and is also like the front of this movement now. Yeah. I think he would need to sound like himself. I just 
It's it's a very like arbitrary like this doesn't matter at all. I just have questions. Yeah, I feel like they just kind of threw that shot in here. It's like, hey, by by the way, we're still doing the pitch control thing, so it's, it's fine. It's it's fine. It's fine. We're, we've gotten covered. They'll look- they, they'll never suspect it. Yeah. So Ray decides to head up this task force for um, anybody who has any tips about local bike thieves in their area, so they can. Take them down. And then they get a call from the mysterious Vittorio. This is your friendly neighborhood bike thief, and I dare you to try and catch me. So post-show, Lily and Travis are still hanging out in the station. Um, and we just get like some some fun Lily-Travis interaction. We get the return of his, his little flip phone uh, camera that he's documenting the RFR years with. Which is like a, a very sweet recurring yeah. trope. I really like it. After he takes a photo of her, she says she should take a picture of him as well. And he says, I'm, I'm not so photogenic. You should see my passport. And his passport's on the table for some reason. I don't know why. Why is his passport there? Is he is he making a break? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like maybe he always has it with him just in case he gets called on assignment somewhere. That's That's totally fair. But also, I mean, he's leaving it out in the open. That's true. Not doing a, a good job of preventing her from grabbing it but she grabs his his passport um to look at his passport photo and teases him about the picture but then she realizes like looking at his passport that his birthday is tomorrow and she's like oh my gosh we have to celebrate and travis like snatches the passport away and he's like i already told you how i feel about birthdays we have our b plot since all these thefts occurred in our neighborhood it's only right to assume that one of our very own is involved. We go to Mickey's where they've already set up all this stuff for the task force. They've got a map that has pins for all the bike thefts. They've got a sign that says Radio Free Dragnet. And Ray's trying to trying to like kind of like lead this meeting. He's not doing a great job of it. He's he's asking like kind of general questions to the room. And Ed and Tad are in the audience because of course they're here. And they keep like raising their hands like super excitedly to answer questions but ray just continues with another question and it's it's just a very good bit of ed and ted content yeah and then like a minute later ray's just kind of like you know doing the whole thing where he's like it's got to be one of our own it could be you or you or maybe you and he points to ted and ted's like no i have an alibi ed tell them i was with you and ed immediately sells ted down the river <laughs> just like, like you're, you're not-, not taking me down with you as ted like hides behind like a pole in mickey's <laughs> <laughs> maybe ed and ted's friendship is not as strong as we think it is <laughs> the task force meeting wraps up as mickey brings out his megaphone yet again to kick everybody out <laughs> yep and ray's ray's excited he's like oh this is gonna work out and robbie's still like despondent and he's like no, i think this might just be another ray screw up <laughs> ray's ray's trying but we'll see what happens after all travis did say he doesn't celebrate birthday parties Ah, oh, come on that's just travis being travis i know that deep down inside he wants us to do something so we go back to school and lily is walking with Ray and Robbie, and she's telling the boys that she'd like to throw Travis a surprise birthday party, even though Ray and Robbie are convinced that's not a good idea. A, because Travis has said he doesn't like birthdays, and B, they introduce the fact that, I guess, Lily throws shitty parties. (laughs) (laughs) Like, apparently they're just, like, really, really boring, and people get food poisoning, and something always goes wrong. They, They talk about, like, her spring fling party that they now call Salmonella Sunday was, like, raw chicken part of the party like i don't know yeah what 
serving at a party in when you're like 14? Well, actually, you'd be younger. So, I mean, what's what's wrong with the chips that you're eating? Yeah, it's got to be snack food. Either that or, I don't know, maybe Lily's parents are bad cooks, but then that's not her fault. I don't know. Don't, don't roast the Randalls like that. Yeah, they're fun. They have fun answering machines. That's rude as hell. So they're, they're talking about the party. Beth is coming down the stairs. She overhears and she said, ooh, a party. Can I come? And Lily's like, yeah, I was just going to invite you. And then she says, just think, Ray, our first party is a couple, which at what point? Yeah. At what point was that established? She has no reason to say that. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't rebuke it. No. He doesn't fight it. Like, I guess it's, we're it's dating a very, now. <laughs> very weird statement. So I, I don't know what's what's happened in this time period. But Ray gets a call on his cell phone. He does his little dance again because he's really loving this ringtone. But it's a call from Vittorio, who's like, it's time to pack it in, turn off the lights, call it a night, which is what Mickey had said the night before when they were closing down everything for the task force. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. The mystery continues. On this uh, very suspenseful episode of intrigue i thought it appropriate to talk about uh, a little spy series of the 2000s called delilah and julius Yay! once upon a time there were two orphans a boy and a girl left to fend off the world on their own delilah and julius aired from 2005 to 2008 on teletoon it was produced uh, by Decode Entertainment and Kaleidoscope Digital Productions. Decode? That sounds familiar. Who's that? <laughs> so the series was created by Suzanne Chapman and Stephen J.P. Como. So Suzanne Chapman went on to work on a bunch of reality and docu-series oh. after working on this show. She was the EP on Urban Legends, Nothing Personal, Weird or What, which is like that, that William Shatner one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and also... Buying and selling with the Property Brothers. Oh, damn. You know, I just found out recently. I didn't know they were Canadian. I didn't know the Property Brothers were Canadian <laughs> until recently. They're Canadian. They're Canadian. Canadian. According to her LinkedIn, I believe this is her LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, but there was no photo. But also, I don't know what she looks like. So that it's a mystery. <laughs> mystery. I believe this is her LinkedIn. There's someone named Suzanne Chapman, who's the VP of production at Real One Entertainment. That sounds like it's probably her. Stephen J.P. Como, who is the co-creator of the show, is also the founder of Kaleidoscope Digital Productions, which is the co-production company of the show. It's based out of Halifax, oh. and at the time, it was the largest animation studio in Atlantic Canada. Wow. The other major work outside of Delilah and Julius that she was responsible for was Oliver's Adventures, which was one of the earliest series made in Macromedia Flash. Whoa! Man. So that's that's aged super well. Yeah, seeing it. <laughs> They're finally officially killing Flash this year. <laughs> but the company also did service work on series like Johnny Test and Speed Racer The Next Generation, which I had never heard of before, but is not pleasant to look at. Oh no. So a couple of executive producers of the show are Stephen Denure and Neil Court. The two of them also worked on a ton of other series, including Angela and Anaconda, Undergrads, The Zack Files, Girl Stuff, Boy Stuff, This Hour is 22 Minutes, 
and the recent Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs TV series. So a little bit about the show. It was an animated series that ran for two seasons on Teletoon, and it was about a spy duo and kind of the various missions that they went on. Here's a little description of the show from an animation magazine press release. It says, Delilah and Julius follows the adventures of two stylish teen spies who thwart evildoers around the world with help from their posse and some super cool gadgets. In addition to saving the world one crime at a time, the duo have to keep one step ahead of their jealous rivals at the academy. So they're like these these two spies, they're a little team. They work at a place called the academy, um, kind of headed by their boss, Al. But they have like little rivalries with, you know, a couple of the, the other agent side characters. And then it's got like recurring recurring villains too. So uh, like as for the main characters, it's kind of like your classic duo. Delilah is the more like serious discipline member. Julius is the spontaneous one, kind of the goofier one. Um, they both have like different skill sets. Like Julius is really good at like code safe cracking. Delilah is good at like fencing and like they have like very, very like specific skill sets. But there's also like elements I didn't remember about the show that are a little dark. Um, Julius's parents were killed in action when he was four oh, and yeah. he wants to avenge them. That's like his big drive. And then Delilah's parents also spies went missing when she was five and they're presumed dead but there are rumors that they were double agents and that she in turn is a double agent and she wants to prove that wrong so a lot of the series is her like scooping out clues for what happened to her parents like overarching plots i did not remember yeah i I thought i remembered something about them both being like orphaned or something like that yeah yeah delilah was voiced by maria of harrington who is originally from oakville she has voice acted in a ton of other series, including shows like Franklin, Doc McStuffins, and The Lion Guard. But she's also done some on-screen acting. She's had guest and recurring roles in series like How I Met Your Mother, The New Normal, and Modern Family. So like some, some pretty major primetime kind cool. of shows. Uh, she's also a singer and has been fronting bands since she was 16. Whoa. She's currently performing in a jazz ensemble called the Maria of Harrington Band. That's Very cool. cool. And she also sang the theme songs for Sesame Park, which I didn't know was a thing, but was the Canadian adaptation of Sesame Street. Ugh, what? And Pippi Longstocking, uh, another Nelvana production. So very, very cool, multi-talented uh Actor, voice actor, singer. Uh, Julius was voiced by Fab Filippo. Uh, and he's done less voice acting and more on-screen work um, in series like Queer as Folk, Being Erica, The Dating Guy, Detentionaire. Uh, he's still working. Recently, he was in the series Save Me. The most interesting thing I found in his IMDb credit was that he had a brief stint on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What? Uh, he played the character Scott Hope for a couple of episodes, who Buffy was briefly dating in, I think, season three. Because it was definitely, like, post-Angel, so I'm pretty sure it was season three. Wow. But yeah, Julius was, was Buffy's boyfriend at one point, so that's kind of cool. cool. Aside from that, like, just going through the IMDb credits, again, IMDb is not, like, very accurately updated, so a ton of these people are listed as having voiced in 31 episodes, but their character is not listed at all. Oh, no. So I'm just blindly trusting that these people did voice act in the show. But a lot of names that we've talked about before, including Julie Lemieux, Mm -hmm. Tracy Hoyt, Stacey DePass, Katie Griffin. Um, And also, just for you, Sammy, they also got Linda Ballantyne because we needed more 
friggin' Sailor Moon voice actors oh, yeah, in did. our roster. Yep. I met her once. It's always about the Sailor Moon voice actors. Yes. Basically any Canadian series of of this era, if if you can't find um a voice actor who also worked on Sailor Moon, it's not a real show. No. I mean, well, although that that makes Monster by Mistake a real show. <laughs> oh, I yeah, actually I'm, I'm not Take it back. I'm not ready to commit to, to that stance. That's a lot. Now, in terms of uh petitions, there is there's not a change.org petition for for this one. In fact, it's very hard to find any sort of like large fan base or like centralized place for Delilah and Julius fans. I find like, that really surprising. Me too, because it was a freaking rad spy show that yeah. like had some dark themes. It got like some some banter under the radar. Mm-hmm. It like it was it was like a cool edgy show. Yeah. I, I remember it being like so fun and like having like good action in it mm-hmm. it was just it was a good show yeah. it was a good show so i'm like this is this is the one where i'm like why is there no fan base for this but there's a fan base for monster by mistake that is that is strange although i have to think the monster by mistake fan base is mostly ironic <laughs> yeah it was mostly like that one kid that was editing their wikipedia page to make dick jokes <laughs> oh god yeah that's right. Um, I I was able to find a like live journal thread of people posting in two thousand seven. Hell being yeah. Like, oh, I I have news. I've heard that there's rumors of season two coming out soon. Uh, I still haven't seen all of the season one finale. Can somebody send me a link? And like people like trying to to send each other links to episodes or to like fan videos. Amazing. Um, Lots of lots of fun stuff like that. Um, I think any conversation that I've had is just like people trying to find episodes. You can find all of the episodes on YouTube now. It was on Crave up until recently. Really? But all of the episodes, um, at least to my knowledge, you can find on YouTube. There was a season one DVD release, but from what I've seen in these forum posts, it wasn't actually all of season one. <gasps> it was like maybe the first half or something oh, like no. that. So yeah, for, for a long time before these were uploaded to YouTube, and I think they were officially uploaded um, by a company that has some sort of distribution rights to oh, it. Oh, that's cool. That it was like a, a very a hard show to to come across for a long time. Yeah, I feel like, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like I remember seeing a Lost Media Wiki page for it at one point. I did find this in the, um, the threads of the Delilah and Julius fandom wiki. This post is called Watching the Episodes Circa 2011. Aside from the first 13 episodes being on DVD and a portion of the second season filmed off someone's TV on sites like Kiss Cartoon, there's nowhere to watch this ding-daggedly show in English that I love so much. I'm I've sorry. Ne- Pardon me? <laughs> what? Ding, <laughs> what, ding, ding. What, what, what part did you have a problem with? <laughs> show? <laughs> yeah, just just before. Just before. Uh, did, did you mean ding-daggedly? Ding-daggedly. All, all one word. Spelled as it sounds. Amazing. It sounds like a cartoon villain from Wacky Races or something. Oh, it does. Dick Dastardly and his incompetent <laughs> brother, Ding Daggedly. His off-brand cousin. Yeah, it was like the rip-off version of Wacky Races. It was whimsical competition. No, that's bad. That's bad. I'll take it back. 
to continue with with their post. They say, <laughs> I've hounded Netflix to procure the license once again, but that's probably a dead end. <laughs> what kind of pressure, what kind of heat are you putting on Netflix? I know. <laughs> to get Delilah and Julius. Oh my God. If anyone knows where else to get it, watch it. I would pay an embarrassing amount of money for this to be possible. Of course, share thy knowledge. As it is, let's all just clap our hands and believe, and maybe, just maybe, it might once more be accessible. Good hunting, my friends. What? What's the embarrassing amount of money? Yeah, I want. I want a sum. I want you to write it on a, a sheet of paper and slide it across a desk, and then blush because it's so embarrassing. But yeah, like it's it's hard to find anything kind of outside of of that. I mean, um, that was the only post in the fandom wiki threads. I found a, a couple of, of pieces of fan fiction nice. on Archive of Their Own, nice. all written by the same person. Amazing. But yeah, I just, I can't believe there's like no traction for a Delilah and Julius fandom. That strikes me as odd. Now, I will say, looking at it again, the animation doesn't hold up. Right. I remember it feeling like almost like paper dolls, like the way that like the limbs and stuff would move around. It's pretty lifeless. Yeah. And it looks cheap to produce yeah the kind of sets that they create aren't so bad it's the characters yeah they have incredibly lifeless eyes yes i definitely enjoyed like the the action of it and i i did get invested in like the the plots of it but also at the same time this is one that i watched largely because i i shipped it oh i know there's so many shows where uh yeah and this this was a big one mm -hmm. for me was like I I would watch the episodes largely to be like ooh it it is something gonna happen between them. The will one? they won't they? The will they won't they? Here's a little bit of production information from the Wikipedia page. It says development of the series began in early 2002 with 13 episodes budgeted at US two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars each. Wow. Originally, the show was aimed at the teenage girl demographic with a very different concept for the main characters being a brawn and brains husband and wife team of self-made millionaires. Wow. By 2005, the first season had expanded to 26 episodes in production, with a budget of $1.2 million. At the time, the premise of the series involved the title characters fighting crimes of conformity around the world. Crimes of conformity? I, I don't know what that means. Are they hipster spies? I don't understand. I, I don't know. Uh. I don't know. Um, I've got a couple of reviews here, a couple from IMDb and one from TV.com. This one says, I really like the show. It's fun and it's cute. The plots and animation are simple but effective. It kind of reminds me of a Mr. and Mrs. Smith for the younger set. The characters are all unique and interesting and are all fun to watch. And not to forget the romantic tension between Delilah and Julius that always makes you smile at the end of every episode. I guess my only criticism would be that it needs stronger villains. The bad guy characters are a little weak, and they don't stand out very much. The villains need more of an impact on the audience. They don't give you a big feeling of tension when something bad happens to one of the heroes. For example, in one episode, they make you think that Julius dies, but when watching it, you know that he's going to be okay. I don't know. That's just my opinion, though. All in all, I love the show. If you like 16, then you'll probably like this show. <laughs> nice. Um, this... This one says, I would personally describe the romantic tension between Delilah and Julius to that between Mulder and Scully in The X-Files. Damn. Where both are attracted to each other, but neither dares let the other know. Mr. and Mrs. Smith are actually married, so I can't imagine that the tension would be quite the same, although I've not seen that movie. The action is probably more the Mr. and Mrs. Smith style, however, 
as in the Mission Impossible style, whereas the X-Files was not so much action as intellectual and paranormal. I watch this with my 12-year-old son sometimes, and I agree, it's kind of cute. It is one of the better animated series for kids out there. And then this one from TV.com says, Guys, this show is seriously underrated. We Canadians have great shows. Reboot, Princess Cece, 16, Stoked, Flashpoint. It comes back. It comes back with Flashpoint. Enrico Colatoni. But I never liked this show until it almost ended. And then I realized it was the best. And now I can't find it online. If anyone knows where to find episode, let me know. But yeah, it was a good show. I didn't like Al and how hippie he was, but I love the two spies. Those two were so cute together, even when they were just friends. Or did they always stay friends? Anyways, I want a guy friend like that. He was so funny with her. Dang hippies. So that's that's Delilah and Julius. Um, I don't know. I liked it. It's yeah. a fun memory for me. I, I thought it was fun. a fun memory for more people. I did look through the Tumblr tag and found like a couple of pieces, but not a not a significant following in the vein of Monster by Mistake. And and I will say one of the posts in the Instagram tag is a copy of the good, the first season DVD found at a Dollarama for three dollars. <laughs> That's hilarious. And the caption says, I worked on this show back in the early 2000s. Found this collection at the dollar store four years ago, and I returned to that store tonight, only to find the DVD still unsold after all this time. Oh. So let's look into Delilah and Julius, um, our six degrees of RFR for this one. I had mentioned Stephen Denure and Neil Court, the EPs of the show. Also an EP and producer, uh, respectively, for Radio Free Roscoe. Oh, right. Um, Travis doesn't like happy birthday, so just sing for he's a jolly good fellow. That'd be great, thanks. More like Ray's a big gloomy weirdo. The whole gang is at Mickey's and Lily has tried to put together an ill-advised surprise party for Travis, complete with a cake. Ed and Ted have made this cake that they described as like high riboflavin, low sodium. It's this big yellow cake with candles and it just says the word Travis on it. I love it. But getting ready to surprise Travis, we get this fun little Lily jealousy moment. She tries to move Beth away from Ray, <laughs> basically telling her to go stand somewhere else. Uh, but it turns out Beth has left her bike unlocked as bait for the bike thief. So she and Ray are going to hang out by the door. Travis is approaching Mickey's. They turn off the lights. Travis enters and he's like, hello, is anyone here? Like, I feel like it's not that dark, Travis. Like, you can totally see that there are people in there. It's 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 just so strange. Yeah. A to turn out the lights at all because it's a business. Yeah. So it's it's more suspicious if the lights are out. Yeah. Like just just close the blinds, my guy. That's true. And uh, yeah, of course the surprise backfires. Travis looks very angry, and <laughs> it's it's really funny. We get this whole like surprise thing. Everybody looks happy. Travis looks upset. And then the next scene, he just like bursts out of the door and stalks off. He's very upset. And they try and call after him. And then we just get this shot from behind of Travis stalking away. And he kind of does this weird kind of salute thing (laughs) as he leaves. But once they're outside, they realize that Beth's bike has been stolen. So the whole evening was a bit of a bust. Oops. You can take me to the DeSica film at the Roscoe Rec. Desika, who is this? Is he some kind of action de hero I don't know about? So in the cafeteria the next day, Beth is again hitting on Ray. She she says that she'd expected him to call her last night, but he can make it up to her by taking her out to the movies. I love how she awkwardly pops into the scene too. She's just kind of like, hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like very, very cringy, like unwanted attention. 
but Robbie uh, joins the two of them talking and tells Ray that he doesn't want RFR's name on this initiative that Ray's doing because he just keeps screwing up and it's making their their brand look bad. And, and Ray's like, no, no, give me a chance. And he's got like a walkie talkie and he's looking out the window. And he, I guess he's got like Ed and Ted on <laughs> patrol, like guarding the bikes. Um, and he sends them after a suspect, but it's just Floyd the janitor. When he said Ed and Ted were in patrol, I was just like, I'd like to think that they're wearing their little patrol hats and gloves and sashes that they wore in the, uh, like the Cougar Spirit episode. That'd be great. Only if they're still shirtless and painted half worn half blue. <laughs> yes. There's still a, a rift between Robbie and Ray as, you know, Ray continues to, to kind of disappoint Robbie in, in this process. And Robbie's like looking for him to, to really commit and, and succeed in, in this thing. After Robbie leaves, Beth kind of goes into reporter mode and Ray kind of gets encouraged to continue this and tells her to to meet him at Mickey's that night and to bring her recorder because it's going to be a great story. And as he leaves, she goes, that's my sexy little Sherlock, which no is thanks. gross. No, thanks. Stop it. Ugh, he's 14. Stop it. <laughs> Elsewhere in the school, Travis is still pissed at Lily for the whole surprise thing, and she tries to tell him that, you know, she cares about his birthday. That's all it is. And we kind of learned that Travis doesn't like his birthday because he moves around so much. And, you know, his his birthdays have typically been collections of people his, his mom invites, and even if he wanted to get to know them, he's always moving around. So his birthdays just make him kind of sad. That's right. The bicycle thief is none other than Mickey Stone. at mickey's ray is kind of doing his spiel again where he's building up to kind of like a classic murder mystery kind of reveal where he accuses mickey of being the thief oh and ed and ted are quick to jump on it (laughs) um and mickey's like look look at me Do, do you think i could steal a bike and Ray walks out of Mickey's and is kind of pulling this whole, like, uh, disappointed shtick. But then he places his cell phone down, uh, kind of strategically, on the table. And then goes through this whole detective breakdown of who the the real thief was. Beth comes out to, to comfort Ray and says, you know what, don't worry, we'll just, we'll just keep on trying to do this. And Ray basically says, you know, that's what you want, isn't it? You want to drag this out as long as possible. Because it turns out Beth was the thief. Ray reveals how he's pieced it together. The first thing he points out is that Beth noted that Robbie's bike was stolen from Mickey's. But all of Robbie's posters say it was stolen from the warehouse. Because Robbie had assumed it was stolen from the warehouse. Because he didn't know that Ray was being a shitty friend. But (laughs) he, he basically puts it together that, you know, Beth was conveniently you know, out of the room when her bike got stolen and that she was able to play pre-recorded messages as Vittorio. And the biggest reach is, like, she mentions that she wants to go see a Vittorio de Sica film called The Bicycle Thief, which is actually called Bicycle Thieves. Basically, he puts it together that, you know, Beth was the culprit. And Beth's like, well, that's all great and all, but, you know, it's your word against mine. But, of course, Ray has been using the cell phone to broadcast to RFR. So they've just broadcast this whole thing over the radio. And the whole, like, everybody who's in Mickey's just comes outside and Mickey's, like, holding his little radio. And it's like, well, we've, we've got you now. And yeah, you, you busted. 
And uh, Robbie, as question mark, says, well, I never should have doubted Ray Brennan. He really came through for his friend. So the two of them have kind of by proxy made up. I do have two two kind of sticking points about <laughs> this <laughs> this whole spiel that Ray goes on. Yeah. The first being, so she's able to fake the call with him. Yeah. Um, when she's standing directly behind him in the hallway, but hitting speed dial on her phone, but then playing a voice recording into her phone, correct? Yeah. So would they not have just heard it coming out of her purse? Right? Like, does she have, like, soundproofing in her purse? Like, how could they not heard that message? It's it's very strange. But my, my second point is that, did she want to go see the bicycle thieves as a date? Oh, because that's not that's a, a good, good point. Date that movie. is a sad movie. That's an incredibly yeah, depressing Italian movie. neorealism is not a good way to kick off a relationship. It's it's not a no. feel good movement. That is funny. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, and it's just it's so on the nose. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, it's. I I want a, a super hot first date with my sexy Sherlock, where we dive into class struggles. Yeah, in post war Italy, <laughs> that leaves our A plot kind of wrapped up. Wrapping up the the B plot, Travis goes into the station. Uh, it is kind of taken aback to see that it's filled with candles and Lily is is sitting on their kind of center table with her guitar and she kind of kind of choked up gives him a little speech saying she she doesn't know what his next birthday is going to look like or if he'll he'll still even be in Roscoe but she promises they'll always be friends and she sings the sweetest song of the show so, so far cute. This song will find you wherever you are. You can go high and low, or near and far. From the plains of Alberta to the port of Zanzibar. When you feel you're but a distant star, this song will find you. It's incredibly sweet. I, I love it, and I just... I, I want, like, a recording of it outside of the show just to listen to. It's a very, like, peaceful, nice little song. Oh, it's and so after she sweet. finishes, Travis also choked up, says this is the, the best birthday party that he's ever had. It's really and it's, cute. it's a really sweet close to the show. Oh, it's funny. You can see where the Lily and Travis shippers are coming from, because all these candles are making it a very romantic ambiance. <laughs> and, and also, I mean, like, it's, it's just ingrained in me that I, I will ship Lily and Ray. But, like, you, you look at their, their characters since we're doing, like, this kind of close analysis yeah. of Travis being, like, very sweet and encouraging all the time. Yeah. It's just, like, gentle boy wants validation. And Ray just kind of sucks. Yeah, Ray's Ray, such an ass. Any, anytime there's, like, a plot line with somebody doing something, like, ethically questionable, it's always Ray. It's always friggin' Ray. And that's Zen and the Art of Bicycle Maintenance. Uh, over in Mickey's Discs, we don't have a full song list for this one. We have, weren't able to identify, or I should say, RadioFreeRoscoe4.Tripod.com was mm. not able to identify <laughs> all of them. They're really doing the legwork here. Yeah. But some songs in this episode include Deceptive by Sub, Get Away From Me by Mike's Sister, All Over Town by Beautiful 2000, and Running Away by Hoobastank. No, I think I think we covered what's obviously the most impactful song of of the episode. I didn't remember that one, and now I'm like, how did I not remember it? It's so nice. It's so nice. 
if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at Facebook at Podcast Free Roscoe or at Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. Or if you're an email person, you can shoot us a message at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com. Tell us your thoughts about the show, any special CanCon memories that you have, or better yet, send us a voice memo and we'll put you on the air or as on the air as you can be when you're on a podcast. So for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off. Yeah.